It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Never seen the sky so blue. The birds are singing, I got nothing to do. Hey, 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 hey. It's a sunny day. Sunny day now. My pocket's empty, my cupboard's bare. But call me illogical, I just don't care. Hey, hey, hey. It's just a sunny day. KSL Greenhouse. Information and great talk about your home, garden, and your lawn. If you love perennials, can't get enough help on landscape design, or just want to keep your lawn and vegetable garden pest-free, grab a pen. It's the KSL Greenhouse on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse in the middle of winter. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis, Mike Karen with you this morning. We'll be taking your calls. Phone lines are open at 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. We've been talking about all things grapes this morning because Mike is an expert in that. But we're also going to talk about uh, this hour, the Master Gardener classes, because people are getting excited about... You know, spring is coming. We know that it is. Uh, and uh, these are such wonderful classes. And so I want you, Mike, to just describe for folks, if they've never heard about the Master Gardener classes, which would be unheard of. Everybody's heard of them, right? But tell us what they're all about. I think everybody's heard of them or a lot of people. So the Master Gardener program actually started in in, in Washington, Washington State. Uh, gosh, what, in the early 80s? Yeah. And uh, it was actually started by by uh, by an extension uh, professor there to try and get some support for some of the program that he did with the public. He wanted to train some people that could help interact with the public and cover more ground than what he could do by himself because there was a need for that. And so that 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 program turned out to be very successful, and it's actually now a kind of a worldwide program. And basically, the whole premise is is training volunteers to help extend the outreach um, portion of of the university. In, in our case, Utah State University. And so, as such, the the Master Gardener programs typically have a volunteer component um, that either required for certification or to to be involved in the program at all. And they they can be doing service for um, university directly. Uh, but in in more cases with us in 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 Utah. Uh, we're doing service with um, other organizations or partnered organizations. So uh, like say with a church group or with um, a, a, a museum complex like Thanksgiving Point or something like that uh, where, where we have relationships and, and they, need, they need people there um, to help them meet their mission. And it also extends the outreach of, of the university into areas where we, we can't be all the time. So what's amazing to me is how extensive the program is. I mean, you you have experts that teach these classes, and it's very specific about pruning trees. Right. Um, you know, making looking at soil very specifically and the different properties of soil. So I was really fascinated when I started taking the course. Um, 
just how specific and how much information is really taught. Yeah, so the, the, the common complaint that we get about the Master Gardener class is that it's like a fire hose of information. And it comes at you um, pretty fast. Isn't every class like that? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it but, isn't. But where the volunteer component really fits in here is and, – and, and typically uh, a lot of the, the Master Gardener classes don't necessarily they're, – they're lecture-based. And, and that's, that's not a good thing for a lot of people. So where the volunteering component then ties in with it is, is it gets you into working with other gardeners and, and learning from them and sharing knowledge with them and having them teach you experience. Well, in, in Utah County, volunteer opportunities that you have are the Thanksgiving Point pruning crew and the grape crew. And so people can come in and with experienced gardeners learn how to prune trees and shrubs and do it in real time, but then also come in and volunteer with the grapes and learn hands-on, how am I actually going to prune a grape to maximize production and to keep it healthy? And so we will allow people in most counties to take the Master Gardener course without doing the service hours. We get that sometimes people are just busy, but we'll try to talk you into doing the service. And if you can, the camaraderie that you get with other people with similar interests is just really nice. Right. So – uh, and and the Master Gardener program in Utah is not um, – we don't have a strict um, administrative structure that forces um, every county or group that wants to do Master Gardeners into the same type of class setup. So we're free to, to, to tailor our programs to what we, what we feel like the county needs are or the needs of our clientele. And so uh, what we do at Thanksgiving Point and in Utah County might be different than what they're doing at Ogden, Ogden Botanical Gardens – or in Tooele, or in Southern Utah, where we have we have programs um, in various capacities in a large par- part of the state, and so uh, and and sometimes that that can be a hangup for people. We've heard about you know it's not exactly the same program as it is here or as it is there, and that's just simply because um, the flexibility and you know the terrain of Utah is different, the topography. The, the geography, the pe- people's needs are different. Uh, certainly if you look at from southern Utah to northern Utah, there's a huge difference in growing areas and climate. And so the, the programs aren't necessarily identical. And you have large communities along the Wasatch Front, small communities and other places. And so those programs are going to look different. So the silver lining of the pandemic for me was that you needed to move these courses online. Because when you work 11 to 7, Try to take a course. Right. You can't take a morning course. You can't get to the evening course on time. So that worked out really great for me. But how have you – are you still doing the courses online this year? Or Utah are you County moved back into a classroom? What's, what's happening? Is dual. We are broadcasting online. So we will be broadcasting over Zoom. So we will have people from, say, from counties that don't offer the Master Gardener program or that maybe can't people can't attend in person will use our courses because we broadcast virtually and a lot of them will be taught in class but every class broadcast out of Utah County will be available available virtually live and recorded okay tell people the specific areas that you look look at i mentioned too the soil and the tree pruning but how many different areas? So we have about um, 15 subject areas that we cover during the class. And and 
equivalency, it's roughly similar to uh, or equivalent to an introduction to horticulture class that you might take at a university level. So we charge $200 for our class in Utah County. I think a lot of other regions in the state charge the same amount of money. An equivalent class at USU, uh, introduction to horticulture class, that covers roughly the same materials, about $1,200. Um, and so, so that's we quite a cover, savings. Yeah, it's quite it a is. savings. And so turf grass management, vegetable gardening, fruit trees, small, small fruit fruits, like grapes and raspberries, yeah. soils, um, just introduction to botanical terms. Yeah. And it's and not just anatomy. how to do it, but why. You know, the science behind what's going on. You know, why is this going to work better than that? How do I, you know, protect my vegetables longer? And so it's it is a very hands-on, at least Utah County, we have some lab sessions and things, but it's more not just what to do, but why you're doing it. Right. And so because each each area can tailor the program to what they need, um, you know, I, I've tailored a lot of what I do at Thanksgiving Point to, to helping Thanksgiving Point and their, their mission as a nonprofit community organization. And um, so we, in addition to those like 15 weeks of class lecture class, um, we also do like um, seed starting workshops, pruning workshops that, that we actually don't broadcast out. They're, they're live in person. We come, it's hands-on. You can bring your own pruners or you can just watch. And, you know, you're going to get your fingers dirty. You're going to plant some seeds. You're going to take some seeds, and, you know, home with you. And so there's a lot of things that, that I like to do that I've seen that if for, for the kinds of ac- volunteer activities that we need help with, that, that's the kind of training um, that they need. So where do people get all the information on how to sign up and to learn more about the classes? So we have a, we have a, a statewide master gardener page that is just uh, through, uh, you know, it's just extension.usu.edu and then slash master gardeners, or you can just Google. We'll find the link and put it yeah. up on our Facebook page within the next 15 but minutes. Just Googling USU extension master gardeners. Um, and then a lot of us now do our registration for classes just on Eventbrite. So even going to Eventbrite and just searching Utah Master Gardeners uh, is a good way to do it as well. Yeah. So if you take it in your county, you're going to get the most local information. But if you don't have that opportunity, we do teach virtually. And so you can register through Utah County. Yeah, we, we typically have – this will be the third year that we've done a virtual component with our class in Utah County, and we've, we've had st- students from pretty much all over the state um, that, that, that need that flexibility. And, and we record the classes, too, so if they miss a class, they can, they can pick it up recorded um, off of Zoom. And so, but we, we've had people from Cache Valley and, and Weber County, and um, as well as um, south of the Wasatch Front as well, and, and over in eastern Utah. So we just try, try to make it available to all those that want to participate. And then they're free to do their volunteer hours uh, in their own county, so if, if there's need for it there. I took a bunch of pictures, and I was going to use that as my volunteer hours and share some of the things that I was doing. And did I ever get to the volunteer part? No. Well, it's not too I late. failed you. Number to call with your questions. Phone lines are open, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Okay, if you're not in the mood yet, uh, hopefully Twisted Sister got you in the uh, better Christmas spirit. This was a... Uh, so why do you always ask for this one, Tom? It's probably the best Christmas album ever made. <laughs> I think in Mota- the Tabernacle... Again, very subjective. Yeah. Temple Square <laughs> should <laughs> probably <laughs> go this direction. Maybe they mm-hmm. could bring in some guitarists and... Don't think it's going to happen. No, and I don't no, want I just, it to. Actually, if you're a fan of Twisted Sister, this is like just classic Twisted Sister singing Christmas. I probably have listened to more Christmas music this season than I have in years. I I just think I need something more uplifting. Well, and I'm hoping FM 100 will pick it up and start playing Twisted Sister Christmas in their mix. <sighs> Even there's more songs again. That, not you know, if you're going to hear that on Arrow. <laughs> oh, come all ye faithful! You're going to hear it on Arrow. You're not going to hear it on Night. FM 100. I mean, all the classic songs. Mm. Okay, moving back on to the Greenhouse Show here. Uh, next listener says that they bought some seeds for delicate squash, or excuse me, delicata squash, uh, because they heard that they're so good. First of all, tell us what 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 that they're is. similar to butternut squash, but not quite as sweet. Their flavor profile, they're a winter squash, and the flavor profile is compared to a mix of sweet potatoes, corn, and butternut squash kind of combined together. All right. Any special requirements for growing? No, they'll grow just fine, just like any other winter squash. They're going to be really susceptible to squash bugs, so they'll need to keep an eye on them for that. But they just have a slightly different flavor than other winter squash, and people seem to like them. Okay, next person says they have some fruit trees from last summer, still in a pot from the nursery. Uh, They're residing in the garage. Is there something better that they should do until they get them planted? No, I just make sure they're watered every two or three weeks. So because that water will evaporate out of the root ball and then just plant them in mid-March when the soil thaws. Okay, Bart is up next. Good morning, Bart. How are you doing today? Good morning, folks. I think you two are a couple of twisted sisters. Yeah, we, we're pretty twisted, all right. Hey, listen, I can attest to the value of the Master Gardener program. Pretty terrific, I've been a huh? Master Gardener for a long time. All right. What what did you want to address with okay, Mike about grapes today? the question I today? got is for Mike. Is he still with us? Oh, yeah, he's no, still with he's us. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not with us any longer. Well, he's hiding anyway, under the desk. one time I was with Larry and we visited Dwayne Hatch. I don't know if you remember him or not. But Dwayne had on the west side of his house on a trellis off a carport, he had a grape growing there that was a black grape. And it was, maybe I was just extra hungry, but it was fantastic tasting. It was a large table grape. And I can't remember if it was seedless or not, but it was fantastic grape. And I always wanted to plant one, but I never could remember the name of it. So my best guess on that one would be a variety called Black Manuka. No, it wasn't a Black Manuka because I've grown them. Okay. But it wasn't that. This was a a Black Manuka is not really black. They're dark, and they grow in heavy, big clusters. Yep. But this one here was uh, the clusters weren't as big as the Black Manuka, but they were a large, almost three-quarter in diameter size of the grape. Half inch at least or better. Do you think he had a small muscadine? Yeah, he could have had a muscadine, which is no. You're not. If you if you I thought you might (laughs) pop the name up and I'd remember it. I do have a fair memory, but I. 
Well, I, muscadine is just re- referring to a group a group of grapes called the it muscadines. It could have been a muscadine yeah. type. Yeah, there, yeah, exactly. There are a lot of cultivars of muscadine, and they've actually surged in popularity um, substantially in the last twenty years or so. I'll tell you, when you take that master gardener class, you want to be careful. It could lead to a lot of things. Mine in the doing my service hours led to twenty six years uh, supervising the horticulture building at the state fair, so <laughs> you can yeah. never tell where what uh, one road's gonna lead you. Could be addicting. All right. All Thanks, right, Bart. Guys. Thanks for your service, Have Bart. A Merry Christmas. See ya, you Merry too. Christmas to you. Let's squeeze Todd in here. He's on the line from Springville. Good morning, Todd. What is your question? Good morning. Um hey, listen, I have a bunch of burning bushes in our backyard there facing and for the last two years I've had a spider mite infestation and I treated them in the early spring with a triazocide insect killer but you know they by midsummer I lose all the leaves they've come back the last two years but I'm trying to see if there's something else I can do so are you sure it's spider mites first of all yeah I've done a lot of research and like you can see them just crawling all over. Okay, on the, so you made a visual assessment. You can see the webs. You can see the little things crawling on them. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so spider mites uh, are an interesting one, especially interesting to try and control with pesticides or miticides uh, because they have a very high rebound rate or a very quick rebound rate um, as far as the population regrows after a pesticide has been used. But the pesticides are pretty hard on the natural mites that, that feed on them. There are predatory mites in abundance that, that feed on them, and they're more harmed by the pesticides, and they take longer to rebound. So with, with spider mites, we, we often get what's called a pesticide treadmill where you use a pesticide, and then the more you use pesticides, the more you have to use pesticides or you're not going to get them um, controlled. So triazide is gamma cyhalothrin, right. which is a, a pyrethroid. And what pyrethroids do when you spray them on mites, it doesn't kill them, and it can actually stimulate them to breed faster. And so you're pretty much giving them roofies, and they're breeding faster, and they're like all amorous with each other, and it makes the problem a lot worse because you've used something that isn't registered for actually killing them. So what I would recommend as far as pesticides go on, on mites would be an insecticidal soap, which is a lot softer on the beneficials, but uh, really does a good job on the soft-bodied insects and, and their relatives like mites. Uh, and the other thing is to um, also consider that you can just use strong streams of water to, to try and control them, and you don't necessarily have to get them all off, but just try and keep the, the massive explosions away. So if you use horticultural soap, you're going to have to use it two or three times a week for three or four weeks to actually kill off all the spider mites. The initial applications will get 80 or 85%, but if you don't keep up those sprays, they will bounce right back. Yeah, and you're less likely to have um, that pesticide rebound with using um, like an insecticidal soap or something than you will with with some of these other kinds of products that that are a little harder. Okay, and some of the research I did, it's most effective if I start early in the season, like around April or so? No, it probably late May. It, the temperatures need oh. to be consistently above 80 yeah. okay. before you really start to see Yeah, them. and you, you actually want to go out and scout and see if you have them before you, I would start putting down anything. You'll start to see little stippling, maybe even uh, see five or six of them on the backs of the leaves. And, and so go out and actually look and make sure you have 
got a population before you start putting time and money into controlling it, especially doesn't make sense if there's nothing there to control. All right, Todd, thanks so much for your call. We need to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. I want to remind folks, uh, BYU fans, KSL special extended pregame coverage of the New Mexico Bowl starts today. It's at noon. It's sponsored by Andy's Neighborhood Market in Kearns. Number for you to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open. You can text us 57500. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.